Foster, Baden Campbell. How are you? Where are you? Well, Shelley, hey, well, I'm recovering from heat exhaustion. <laughs> uh, more on that later. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're in Chetumal today. Chetumal is in the southern edge of Mexico generally, <laughs> right in pretty much what you call it the south eastern corner on the border of Belize at the bottom of the Yucatan Peninsula. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a nice little place here. We're in a quiet little residential street off the main avenue of the Harrows, or as you call it, Avenida de Heroes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know if I could replicate that. I think other people here call it that too. Okay, sweet. <laughs> Yeah. Um, welcome to the How Are You? Where Are You? podcast. <laughs> it's an audio travelogue of our adventures by bike as we ride from our life of seven years in London back to the gorgeous, the beautiful oh, Hutt Valley <laughs> in uh, Wellington, New Zealand. So we'll pass through uh, parts of Central and South America over the coming months of our journey. In breaking news this time, my parents, Sheila and Alan, have left our bike gang. So they uh, departed from Cancun about a week ago um, and are now safely back in New Zealand. We had a really great week with them in Mexico. Um, we hired a car and had an actual holiday staying in you know decent places, Airbnb. We went to Valladolid, um, which is a great town in Yucatan uh, state. Um, and there are loads of things to do there. So we stayed there for a for about five nights and went to some see some ruins like Ekbalam, which you hadn't been to last time you were in the Yucatan Bay. What did you make of it? Uh, Ekbalam was cool. I mean, uh, you know this whole thing when you're travelling and you're being a bit of a tourist is that um, you don't want to go to all those cheesy places that all the other tourists go to, you know. You're... You're fighting your own path, you know, you're you're talking with the locals and you're like going exploring these off the beaten track places and, you know, oh, everyone goes to Chichen Itza, don't you know? Or chicken pizza, as my dad kept yeah. calling it. <laughs> yeah, and, um, but not many people had heard of Ekbalam and nor had I, the Lonely Planet had, of course. <laughs> and they had, so I mean, you know, it's not like we, uh, we, we discovered It's not like we discovered, main, yeah, a yeah. new ruin. <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 really cool actually because Ekbalam, ah well, there's all the all these places in the Mayan civilization that are sometimes described as capitals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got Chichen Itza, you've got Tikal in Guatemala, mm-hmm. uh, you got uh, Palenque and Tabasco. So, uh, but Ekbalam is quite close to Chichen Itza, but that was also sort of described as one of these sort of capitals of Mayan civilization. Well, I think the reason is that the Mayans had um, city states, so exactly. I think that's why you know. So that they and they all, they were all fighting with each other all the time. Mm, and they all had these sort of satellite cities as well. They all reported in to these sort of the big the big administrative centres. And anyway, Ekbalam was one of those. And the cool thing with it was that um, you know, Chichen Itza has been sort of a, a site, a sort of a tourist site, an archaeological site for oh, you know, 100 years or something. Yeah. Uh, uh, but Ekbalam, they only started digging that boy up in 1994. <laughs> and, and I think the, um, the park itself has only been around, you know, 20 odd years now. Yeah. So... Uh, it was it was cool for that for that yeah, reason you really. Yeah, get to see um, you know the ruins. Part, lots of the ruins are still just engulfed in jungle, which is quite cool. Yeah, well, and some also of it was like half 
all preserved and all dug out and all cleaned up and then you look over the other side of the ruin and it's the jungle has just completely enveloped it so you can imagine what it would have been like when they found it yeah and um obviously really cool is that at Ekbalam you can clamber up onto the ruins and get a great view um and then we also went along to Chichen Itza um with mum and dad and uh, did a little tour there and of course that one's far more touristy and just loads and loads of people selling souvenirs right inside the ruins whereas at Ekbalam they're not allowed in there so you can kind of wander around in peace and not be harassed and told that things are almost free it's almost free mm. I actually you know, do you think we should start the recording again because we didn't say how are you where are you in Mayan yeah no I um maybe next time <laughs> I can't pronounce Mayan you, you did um learn some Mayan words though didn't you I'm pretty sure that Malokim is good morning but Oh, they might not be pronounced yeah. very correctly. Malokim, where we are in the world, everyone. Malokim. <laughs> um, another really cool thing we did in Valladolid was go to the Casa de los Venados, which is um, a big old colonial uh, house that's been restored by an American businessman um, and filled with 3,000 different pieces of Mexican folk art. Uh, it was a, a really gorgeous place, um, but I mean, for me, just a little bit too much art considering that this is someone's home. Um, but it was it was incredibly interesting and, and really beautiful. And we got to meet John, the guy that owns it. But Baden, I didn't think you were such a fan. <laughs> oh, that was a bit of the, the disappointing thing for me. We were shown round by one of his staff members, Naldo. Brilliant. That that was totally excellent. But then um, he was like, "Oh, you get to meet Mr. John." And I was like, "Oh, why would they call this guy Mr. John?" <laughs> and uh, and there, there, John was sitting out in the courtyard with a fruit platter, and he's wearing like a. Uh, Hawaiian shirt that sort of barely covers his midriff, his sizable midriff. <laughs> I, I'm not, you know, like cri- cri- criticizing uh, him being overweight, but or are you? <laughs> no, no, no. I guess it's just part of his sort of persona. But what I didn't like, his house is awesome. He is a great collector of art. A couple of things I found a little bit creepy. Yeah. Once and the art is, you know. Just to clear up, the art is outstanding. I've never seen anything like it. The collection is outstanding. I love Mexican folk art. It's beautiful, the color, uh, just all the different types. And you know, for someone to have so many skulls around um, their house kind of shows what Mexicans feel about death. And it's such a comfortable way that they, that they talk and feel about death. That's really cool. Uh, so a couple of creepy things. One creepy thing was that um, Arnaldo said, um, showed us this awesome painting that showed uh, sort of the Mexican Revolution. Uh, it's um, me- Mexican this, history. Yeah, Mexican the history, history of this place. In a, in a painting, right? Yeah. And, but uh, Mr. John was uh, friends, apparently, with some sort of state museum, Mexico City. Or so. yeah. It was like a government museum, right? And uh, so since he was friends with the Director General, he was able to buy one of the paintings owned by the state. That's a bit creepy. And And it was a really rare painting because it had been done on shell. The guy had painted ink on shell and he wouldn't do any more because it took so long for the ink to dry and then he died. So quite rare piece of um, Mexican art and piece of Mexican history, really. Mm. Anyway, we got to uh, meet Mr. John. And, uh, you know, he's a nice, affable guy. As, you know, as you'd imagine, he's invited us into his home. We can look around his collection. But what I didn't really like is that 
how rude he was to his staff. Oh, I just thought that was cruel. Oh, I just couldn't. Why would he say that in front of us? Like the phone was ringing and he was carrying a walkie-talkie around instead of talking to people to their faces. He'd carry a walkie-talkie around to like message someone who was like, no. It's because his house is so huge his and amazing. His house is huge. Yeah. But, and then he gets on the walkie-talkie, the phone's ringing. He's like, telefono, telefono, rapido, rapido. I was like, ugh. <laughs> Yeah. Mr. John. Uh, but oh, uh, yeah, it was a it was a great it was a great thing. We'll put some photos on. It was cool. Thanks, Mr. John. So then, Mum and Dad, um, they took off from Cancun, and uh, that was really sad. I really wanted to jump on the plane with them, actually. Um, so we saw them off, and it wasn't until they were through security that I started crying because I'm just a little girl. Um, so after they were gone, we got back in the car, and our buddies weren't there anymore. And yeah, we were sad, right? Yeah, it's like we could have easily got on that plane and gone home to New Zealand at that point, you know. And yeah, it's so oppressively hot. It's obnoxiously hot here. And it's it's been hot in Cuba as well, but here... What's your point? We're talking about my parents. Yeah, but these are the sort of things that made us homesick. Yeah, well, mostly for me, I just had such a great time with them. Um, and I, I guess I felt like a little bit lonely that we lost our, our gang. And I just, yeah, really enjoyed spending time with them. And I was think, it made me think about all lots of things about New Zealand and Wellington and my family. And, and yeah, and then we just really wanted to go home. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. we had a bike journey. Yes. And actually, when they went, that meant that signaled the time for us to get back on our bikes. So um, we pulled our bikes out of the comfort in basement, uh, the garage, and discovered that Shirley was broken something happened to her on the airplane from cuba and she was broken well she wasn't broken she's just a bit bent uh one of her disc brakes had sort of bent and then it meant that the back wheel couldn't like roll through properly was that it yeah that was it yeah and also the derailleur was a bit um the tension had all gone in it and we were just sweating like pigs underneath this basement trying to work it out we're like hold on a sec this is not something we can fix, can we? And we had, what, three or four hours to drop back the rental car. Yeah. So we're like, okay, we need to find a bike shop. And we just whipped the bike in the car and then headed into uh, these guys in town. And we were really nervous, you know. We thought, oh, how long are we going to have to stay in Cancun now, you know, to delay to get this bike fixed? He was like, okay, uh, we'll just go get yourself some lunch and uh, we'll sort this out in an hour. <laughs> So. What a result. <laughs> yeah. We totally nailed it, thanks to uh, those guys at the bike shop. So um, we managed to get the bike back to the Comfort Inn and drop the rental car off on time. Yeah, you were really nervous about that, weren't you? Like, oh, what happens if we don't drop this back on time? It's like, Shelley, it's like it was still got half an hour ago and we're only two kilometres away. I know, but why is it with us that, that everything has to come down to the wire? Uh, yeah. <laughs> We're always stressing out. Anyhow, anyhow, we got that done. So, so that that was actually quite an easy win. And then we were preparing to leave the next morning at about six a.m. Yeah. Uh, to cycle to Playa de Carmen. Pla- Carmen, what is it? Playa, Playa del, del Carmen. Carmen. And um, I was really excited, and you were really nervous. Yeah. Um, I've gone a while, so nervous. I think it was because oh, I was really nervous about the heat. Mm. You know, cycling in the heat is uh, is really hard, and I had that sort of time in Cuba where I enjoyed the roads, but I just didn't enjoy how damn hot it was. Yeah. And yeah, it's not really yeah, known. Flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, kind of flashbacks, and 
I don't know, maybe, you know, what actually turned out a few days later, my nerves were maybe a little bit justified. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. So the next morning we got up, we got out, and it was funny. As soon as I jumped on the bike, I just felt, everything felt right. I was like, oh, yes. So all your kind of, all my doubts and worries sort of melted away, and it gives you such a sense of purpose getting on the road and trying to get somewhere. And that felt really good um, until we got to the 1.6 kilometer mark and um, I rode over a giant nail. Yeah. <laughs> so Baden had to repair a puncture um, and that's the first puncture of our entire trip, 1.6 Ks of riding in Mexico. But anyway, um, so yeah, so we were on our way um, and you know, I, I, I was enjoying it. Um, you were worried about the heat and then again, actually, um, when we rode from Tulum down to Felipe Carrillo Puerto, it's a 100k ride, another hot day, and Baden recorded this on a little break. Today has been hot and it's been hard. Yeah, and you wouldn't normally say hard on a uh, really flat stretch of road, but. We have been truly battling with the heat here in Mexico. It's uh, hotter than we've really ever experienced on the bike before. Um, you know, I mean, the temperatures are mid-30s. Maybe we've had a bit hotter than that in places like Portugal. But oh, it's, just, it's just relentless. And today we've been on a really long, flat road. You know, I, I've been giving little thumbs up and fist pumps when we get to a corner because it's just kind of like a bit of... Um, a bit of relief from the monotony of the long and straight and uh, and it's through the middle of the jungle as well and so it was kind of relief to come upon this bus stop here at the turn off to Tres Reyes and just have a bit of a relax in the shade because you know any bit of shade you can get on a road like this is really valuable and it's given us opportunity to fill up our bottles and talk about uh, the podcast that we've been listening to along the way I'm up to uh, I've just finished listening to my third podcast of stage nine of the Tour de France so uh, it's, uh, it's been great catching up on all of that <laughs> but uh, we're 60k in and even though we're hot we're hungry it's 9:30 in the morning as well we left at uh, 6:30. We we've done really well and I think we've got about 34 kilometers to go. So we just want to sort of cool down a little bit and ready ourselves for the, the next long, hot stretch. Well, so then after that, uh, we did complete the final sort of 30K, but man, it was hard. It was so hard. We were, we, ha we just didn't talk almost we just listened back-to-back -back podcasts just to like keep our minds off off the heat and the the pain and the dryness and the I mean there was there wasn't one scrap of shade there was scant shade for the rest of the way yeah and nothing to see the forest comes or the jungle comes right up to the road and you can't see anything beyond that and you just listening away to the guys from uh, ITV, the cycling podcast and Valleycast, talking about the Tour de France. And <laughs> well, I wasn't doing that, but yeah, you but, were. Um, um, oh, man, it, it's, uh, it is the, the pain. I was really surprised at that. You normally get a few, you know, bit of soreness from you know, when you're climbing up hills and things and using all those muscles, but cycling along on the pan flat, 
I guess the muscle repetitiveness of that was really, I found it really hard to um, stand up off my saddle. Yeah. Uh, when you're cycling along, you sort of stand up on your pedals. That the process of standing up from uh, going from the saddle to standing, really hard. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I still haven't really get recovered from that <laughs> properly. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, you're riding along and we, we certainly weren't drinking enough and what we were drinking was just boiling hot water. Um, so ultimately, uh, you know, it wasn't much fun, uh, but we, we did get there. We got to Felipe Carrillo Puerto. And, you know, this is not a town that's really built for tourism. It's kind of like one of those, it's like Masterton in New Zealand. <laughs> um, <laughs> where is that? What, what about in England? What would it be? Um, oh, I don't know. Oh, anywhere that's not Reading like or something. <laughs> Reading. <laughs> well, no, Reading's got a big train station, I think. I mean, I guess, yeah, not many people would want to get off at Reading, I suppose. <laughs> but anyway, you know, it's it's not really a town built for tourism. High Wickham, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor old High Wickham. Man. So this is not it's not a town that's built for tourism, and it's it was so hard to find a hotel. We were cycling round and round, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Well, where can we stay? <laughs> and <laughs> no tourist office, nothing. Oh yeah. <laughs> and you know, we arrived sort of tired and thirsty and hungry, and even though we still wanted to make an effort to visit um, what's quite an important site for the Mayan people in Felipe Carrillo Puerto, and that just happens to be um, which you know this kind of tourist site, I guess, or this um, important or significant uh, monument just happens to be in the town. As you can tell, there's a bit of a storm going on. <laughs> We're here seeking shelter in the Santuario of the Cross, the Sanctuary of the Cross, and it's not just any cross, it's the Talking Cross. So we're in Felipe Carrillo, which is a, a little town um, in the Yucatan, and that's its claim to fame. Um, and the, ha the cross is now in Little Church, and at the moment there's, I think there's a family here, and maybe the lady, the older lady, is, is the one that's sort of looking after the church. I'm not too sure, but um, she, she offered us some scones. Um, but it's quite a laid-back vibe here, um, and we arrived just in time, uh, and it just absolutely started to pour. Yeah, it's quite an inter interesting place, isn't it? We've just been reading about uh, how it all came to pass. The lady I was talking to, her, she didn't even know how old this place is, but from what we gather, back in the 18, what, 30s or 40s or something, uh, the Mayans were pushed back um, by, the, by the Mexicans and the Spanish, and they had to sort of retreat to the southern Yucatan. And when they came here, they found this uh, cross in the cenote just beside the church here in sort of like a cave and how did how did it do its talking well apparently they they were really dispirited and um they were going to give up and then some guy um exhorted them to continue the struggle but he did it and made it seem as though the cross was talking and so people kind of bought into that and thought all right and it roused everyone and then they continued to fight mm, and it's apparently still quite significant today and it's not for like the talking cross properties you know like pilgrimages to things like Fatima and uh, Santiago based on no Fatima mainly where they thought there was a miracle it's not that the Mayans come back here to sort of praise the miracle of the talking cross it's more the cool thing is that it's, they come here because it's a symbol of their struggle 
and it reminds them of that and that's where they get their pride from it. So it's quite nice to see really because you know having come down the coast Cancun, Playa del Carmen, Tulum, it's Maya everything you know uh, Maya Cenote, the Riviera Maya you know all the appropriations of the Mayan people and their culture but uh, I, from what you gather the Mayan people aren't really involved in the, the big tourist boom so it's quite cool to sort of come here and see uh, something that's like special and genuine to them. What I kind of like about this place is that it's, um, you know, it's quite rough and kind of honest. Um, so the building has a th- like a thatched roof that's currently leaking. Um, it's just a plain concrete floor. The the altar has like a plastic, fairly gaudy tablecloth on it. Um, yeah, it's it, and it's kind of it's a far cry from what we've already experienced up in Tulum and. Playa del Carmen which is lots of resorts that mine people probably on the whole can't afford to stay at and silly things like masks and big grand things like huge monuments at Chichen Itza so it's really really nice to be here and just see this and in, in the relaxed kind of environment right now um, and I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of this kind of real life for people here as we go further south We felt pretty good uh, hanging out in Felipe Carrillo Puerto and so we thought let's just uh, push on the next day. We had another 114 kilometres to get to Bacala, but unfortunately it was the same sort of long straight jungle jungly roads. I mean you might think it's quite cool riding through the jungle. You know, you, you, you're thinking, oh Baden Shelley riding through the jungle there must be seen monkeys and jaguars and <laughs> tigers and lions. <laughs> Not lions. <laughs> you know, they must have like this forest there's the jungle canopy hanging over them and they're riding through and they're like coming across With, all like, these two two cans on our shoulders. Two cans, yeah, ancient uh indigenous go walking coming through in ancient indigenous villages who have never touched human life it's not that kind of jungle people (laughs) (laughs) it was just another really hot day and you know it kind of when we started cycling and it was nice it always is nice for the first 20 kilometers when you start at 6 a.m in the morning because it's only uh about 25 26 degrees and it's it's really nice for cycling but then as soon as it gets past nine really nine and ten is doable ten uh, between 10 and 11 it starts getting really tough and we'd stopped a couple of times but from 10 to 11 it really started to get super hot again and i think backing up two days in a row kind of showed that it was a bit of a mistake at that point yeah yeah so we got to we got about 75k uh into our ride and we arrived in a little village um and grabbed some pineapple from a lady on the side of the road and then thought actually let's get a drink from that shop over there so we grabbed a Gatorade and then we were sitting there in the shade and I said so so shall we continue on and just sort of maybe stop every 10k for the last 30k's and take it easy or do you want to stay here and just rest in the shade and you were up for I wanted to go for a sleep (laughs) yeah Yeah. I just felt really dizzy my head felt quite cloudy 
I really just wanted to go for a sleep and there was this tree about 10 meters away in the shade and all I could think of was just like curling up underneath that and having a snooze. And that's exactly what he did. So um, he lay down, um, he went to sleep, um, he was bright red and um, a bit sort of clammy um, and you felt kind of nauseous didn't you and I was sitting next to him reading and I could tell that his heart was beating way too fast way faster than it should have been mm. I mean it wasn't just a normal siesta was it no. and um, yeah that's when you turned into nurse Shelley a little bit yeah. and you saw someone with some uh, bag of ice and you like oh that shop it must have ice so I had a sort of a, a bag of ice teddy bear <laughs> that I was cuddling and uh, you were sort of breaking parts up and then sort of putting it into my hat and stuffing it down the back of my shorts. I was like rubbing him with ice and um, it felt kind of like trying to save a big beached whale. Um, yeah. I was it was just hydrating <laughs> me though. I can see how that works with the whales. <laughs> like you're lying there on the beach and then you, you know, you're there, you're sort of like struggling to breathe maybe. I don't know, is the whale's heart going quite quickly when they're beached? I know. I don't know. I mean, you know, the size of me looked like a beach whale compared, <laughs> compared to these really short Mexican people. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there I was just getting iced down by the, the rescuers and <laughs> they're getting those inflatable uh, dinghies ready to sort of float me out onto the road onto my bike. Yeah, we were going to wait until about maybe 4.30 or 5 p.m. and then try and get, get do the last bit. Um, and then it got to that time and you stood up ready to get going. Yeah, and you know, I thought I all I wanted was to really get to the air conditioning in Bacala. I thought, no, I need air conditioning. This is this is what's going to help me. And then when um, I went to go and sort of pull my clothes on and uh, put my shoes on again and sort of stand up and get ready to get on the bike, I was like, whoa, you know, I'm not stable on my feet here. I'm pretty buggered, mm. and. Uh, so at that point, um, we decided to stay where we were in uh, Pedro Santos. Well, we had a really hard night. Um, I managed to get permission to find a camp spot just off the highway. Um, and I set up the camp and everything and got Baden into the tent lying down so he could try and sleep. But I mean, it's not ideal. It was quite warm in the tent and he was absolutely burning up. Um, managed to get him to eat something and then uh, just tried to keep him cool while he went to sleep um, and I was trying not to freak out because uh, you know there's a lot to do when you're sitting up on camp and, and also when someone's not well you don't actually really know what's wrong with them we think that he has heat exhaustion but I don't know this morning um, at about four in the morning we woke up and he was really burning hot still and I think I noticed a rash on his torso and so then I was like right we're going um, so I packed everything up and we are now in a taxi uh, on our way to the nearest big town um, we've had to leave Shirley and Fausto locked up outside a tortilla shop but the guys there seem really friendly and I hope they'll look after them um, so we're off to the Red Cross and we'll find out what's going on with poor baby the Mercy Dash taxi in the early morning hours uh, dropped us off at the Red Cross and uh, it was kind of a relief to sort of see someone. I just don't know how, 
it was really hard to describe how I was feeling. Like the the air coming in on this taxi was sort of helping me cool down a bit, but my overall temperature was still way too high, and uh, I I just, just felt was, really unstable. Yeah, I just I mean I you heard it in the audio there. I was just really worried because I thought I'm pretty sure this is heat exhaustion, and so it's not you know mega serious. Obviously, you need to be careful, but part of me was thinking what if this is something else you know and we just wanted to see a medical professional at that point <laughs> well like that last, that previous night you see you said oh so you're not going to die tonight are you <laughs> um <laughs> i was like no 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 she'll be right but i was like when i was you know going about my business trying to look after you in the tent and stuff part of me was slightly freaking out and i kept having to kind of push that down the like the feeling of panic <laughs> because i really was kind of almost yeah I was on my own out there looking after you and I thought oh my god Brenda is going to absolutely kill me if something really bad happens to Vaden <laughs> uh, I mean I just when we got there I just felt a little bit unstable and on my feet you know just very lacking in energy and when the lady there um did the test of my blood pressure it kind of made a bit more made sense why I was sort of like that yeah. she was like uh muy bajo you know muy bajo it's like it's way too low and uh yeah she basically said look go off get some breakfast eat something sweet yeah and then uh look return if you're not feeling sort of any better at all yeah. uh so within then we, an hour and a half yeah so then we shuffled down the street like it was like helping a little old man down the street um yeah. and we found finally found um we just went into like a almost basically a convenience store with a little breakfast bar and stools um and then after that back to the hotel and i think it was you really didn't seem to show that much improvement until a good few hours later and even then it wasn't much overall i think it's taken you like 36 hours or so to return to normal which is unbelievable but you just think we've put your body through some incredible stress mm. um so we have to be so careful now because mm. it wasn't just you know my blood pressure and sort of um high pulse uh, high resting heart rate and things that was this thing um i also was quite sore from some of the cycling that we'd been doing i found that found it quite tough you know my legs were sore and um my knees were a little bit sore as well my neck and like every time you'd get out of bed you'd start shivering and your skin was really sensitive and your eyes are really sensitive yeah, yeah Uh, weird really weird okay so basically the situation is that we do not really know what we're going to do now but we're just sitting tight until you feel better um and then we'll either go to maybe we'll go to palenque on a bus and leave the bikes here or maybe we'll get on the bikes and do um you know go down into belize but yeah right now we don't know and it's kind of weird as well because it doesn't matter like if we want to stay in chetamal for a while who cares we can yeah chetamal is pretty cool um (laughs) yeah just we we you know i guess one of the thing one of the good things to learn is that you learn what your extremes are Mm. and you knew what your limits are Mm. and you can sort of uh once you know it you can respect it and so i think you know the last few days we've learned my limits okay one of our regular features in praise of we thought we'd bring it back this time um so baden what are you in praise of for this podcast 
Well, we mentioned them a little bit earlier in the podcast. It's the guys at Elite Cyclery in Cancun. <laughs> For all your Cancun bike needs, head down to Elite Cyclery. Elite Cyclery, Cancun. It was quite a weird name. I don't know if I've ever seen a bike shop called with the word cyclery in it. Yeah, what does cyclery mean? Oh, and there was two English kind of words as well. Cyclery, I'm pretty sure it's not a Spanish word. <laughs> anyway. Yep. Uh, they were great in fixing your bike in Cancun. I mean, the fact that you could just drop it off there. They've got had all the parts that we needed and uh, said come back in an hour. And also, geez, it was really cheap too, wasn't it? Yeah. With the parts and everything, we're like, whoa. Yeah. So, I think it was 40 pounds. Yeah, 40 pounds. Yeah, I mean, you try getting parts and a service for that in London. Mm. Um, uh, really great service. Okay. Um, I am in praise of a lovely man from Titamal called Manuel. When we left the bikes behind and jumped in the taxi, poor old Muggins had to go back up to that village to get them while Baden was recuperating. So I got a bus up there, grabbed the bikes and then hitchhiked back with lovely Manuel. He put the bikes in the back of the truck and um, gave me a ride all the way back to Chetamal. And he was a lovely man. He spoke great English, he used to be an English teacher. Um, he's been living in Chetamal for something like 15 years with his wife and um, we had a good old natter on the way back he spoke some Mayan to me which was pretty cool yeah so a big thank you to Manuel hugely hugely grateful for for his help I'm, I'm sure you appreciate Manuel as well oh Manuel's an absolute legend <laughs> like when you text me you said oh I've got to live with some bloke I didn't think at all uh, oh no oh, no this is dangerous I was like no Shelly's gonna like choose to ride with someone who's cool <laughs> and yeah indeed he was like uh uh, you know, dropped you right back at the hotel and the bikes are in great shape, raring to go for the next part. Yeah, exactly. Thank you very much for listening uh, to the How Are You, Where Are You podcast. We'd love to know how you are and where you are. Feel free to email us you at gmail.com or you can go to the blog howareyouwhereareyou.com um, and leave a comment under the podcast if you like. You'll also find links um, to subscribe to it on iTunes, SoundCloud or Stitcher. Uh, feel free to share and rate the podcast. Um, we'd love for more people to hear it and rating it makes it easier for people to find and speaking of finding people you can get Baden on Instagram at Baden Cycling or Twitter at Baden C. Thank you as usual to Callum Campbell for the original music in the podcast. Great to have some new stings uh, this time and um, until next time, hasta luego. Bye. Bye.